In today's episode, Brian K. Wright, best-selling author of five books, delivers the goods on how to write your book even if you don't think you have anything to talk about. Spoiler alert, you definitely do. But you need to approach it differently. Listen in as we discuss. Are you hitting a wall in your business because you feel like you're too busy? Do you ever wish there were more hours in a day? This podcast is for hyper-focused entrepreneurs who want to learn the secrets of superhuman productivity. Together, we're going to kick procrastination in the teeth. We're going to slice through BS excuses like a katana blade. We don't ever wonder what happened because we're the ones that made it happen. My name is Josh Thomas. You've now entered the Do Zone. Welcome to the DZ Tribe. So, first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. DZ Tribe, Josh Thomas. If you haven't already, check out thedozone.com for productivity tips, accountability, and overall just a great bunch of amazing human beings looking to get more stuff done. Once again, that's thedozone.com. Our guest today, I think you're really going to like, his name is Brian Wright, and he is one of the most interesting people that I have ever met. He is the founder of Success Profiles Radio. And he's also a writing coach, a ghostwriter, radio show host, and a magazine publisher who helps people share their message with the world and monetize their expertise. Brian, I want you to say hello to the tribe here and tell me one thing that you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of. Well, Josh, thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. Hello to everybody watching and listening. I appreciate it. I would say the thing that helps me get the most done is to pretend that tomorrow is my vacation day and I have to get everything done before I leave because you give yourself a real sense of urgency when you do that. If you don't have a deadline, if you don't have a sense of urgency, you're just going to meander through your day and whatever you decide to get done is what you get done and whatever to everything else. But if you give yourself that deadline, I must, not I should get something done today, I must get all of these things done today before I go on my trip. Those are my most productive days ever. And so do you actually, whenever you have a really productive day, do you actually go and take a vacation day afterwards? I, you know, it's interesting. I give myself a little latitude. I'll give myself maybe a couple hours of me time the next day just to reward myself. But I always still have my list of things that I want to do. I try to get at least one thing done every day to move me forward toward any of my goals. So I, I have a list of the things that I need to get done, even if it's just, edit an article, even if it's just to do all of my posting on social media, but I want to get something done every single day in the progress of at least one of my goals. And I feel like I've had a productive day if I do that. If I get a lot more than one of those things done, then that's awesome. But you have to do the work every single day. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right about that, man. And so speaking of doing the work every single day, I know that uh, that that kind of creates some compound returns and compound interests over time mm -hmm. and uh, take us back way back. Uh, there was, there was a, there was a moment where you, you, you weren't quite where you wanted to be and, and things were not going so well. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. 
Before I was in business full-time for myself, I was working in some call centers and wasn't making a lot of money, but I had bought a home where I was making a lot more money at that time. And then my income level changed and I reached a point where I was no longer able to afford my home. I was not ready to give it up. I started asking myself, how can I make this work? How can I make this work? How can I buy myself some more time? Well, I had heard of Airbnb by this time. And I thought, what would that look like if I rented my home out as an Airbnb? Arizona is a destination place in the wintertime, especially. And I figured I could rent my home for more on a short-term basis than I could having a longer-term tenant. And so I put my home on Airbnb and I did successfully rent my home out for an entire winter. So now my question was, where do I stay? Do I pay someone to rent their room? Someone I don't know, someone where I don't know what level of privacy I may or may not have, or do I sleep in my car? And that's what I did because for me, the choice was, do I pay someone to rent the room or do I continue paying to do my radio show? I chose to continue funding my dream. That was important to me. I am where I am right now, 10 years of Success Profiles Radio, because I kept it going. I had to take a hiatus only twice in those 10 years. Once when I had a life-threatening illness and I was in the hospital and I paused my show for three months, that was hard. The second time when I paused my show last year for six weeks because my dad passed away and I was helping my mom settle his affairs and plan his service. So I had to pause twice, but otherwise I've been very consistent. I've kept my show going for 10 years solid and it has led to a lot of things. So the choices you make do have ramifications, whether for good or for bad. But I decided that in order to keep my dream alive and in order to keep my home for a while longer, I had to rent my place out as an Airbnb. And that's you know, I always I always admire somebody. It's 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 not like there's I mean, I guess there are a lot of people that have had to sleep in their car in their life, but mm. but but when you when you had to make that choice to this is where I'm going to live for a period of time. I, I always respect that, you know, because I think, you know, I'm not like a super tall guy, but I can never really fully stretch out in a car. You know, it drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't have an office or anything. And I wasn't in my business full time. And in fact, in order to get online, I was beholden to when the public library was open. That's kind of hard. And I had a desktop computer. I didn't have my laptop then. So I couldn't carry around my desktop computer very easily. I kept it in storage. And if I did decide to stay at a Motel 6 for a night just so that I could have a legitimate place to sleep and take a shower and shave, I would bring my desktop computer out of storage with me for a night. But gosh, it was such a pain in the butt to set it up and tear it down. So I didn't do that very often, but it was nice when I was able to do that. But yeah, I was able to prepare my show and I was looking for work and, and trying to figure out what my next steps were going to be. It's, it's interesting because one of the branches of the Chandler Public Library was attached to a high school. So there were a couple of times where they had a fire drill in the middle of the day. So we had to leave the library and, and step outside. So that was an interruption in my day. But, you know, when you, when you have to do the things you have to do, then you have to do it. In fact, I kept my radio show going. I interviewed Jack Canfield one week by renting a free conference room uh, at at the downtown public library. So I interviewed Jack Hanfield on my phone in the public library that week. You know, you, you do what you got to do to keep it going. And, and that's what I'm hearing from you that there are, you, you had so many things going against you. Mm -hmm. It would have been completely understandable, even acceptable and expected that you just kind of throw your hands up and you're like, man, I'm done. I'm, 
I'm going to go get some public assistance. I'm going to, you know, move in with family. I'm going to go get a job at the Burger King. Like any of those things could have happened. Uh, and so what was it that kept you driving through all of that resistance, living in your car, popping into a Motel 6 occasionally, using the public library to get online? What kept pushing you through all of that, even though you weren't getting any real kind of positive reinforcement from the world around you? I just knew it was a matter of time before something would hit. If I kept doing something every day to move myself forward, I knew that the path would eventually light up in front of me. It's, it's like Moses standing before the Red Sea. The, the Red Sea didn't part before him until he put his foot in the water. It didn't part first. He had to take the step. He had to have the leap of faith first before that happened. I knew that there was something to all of this. And the radio show was the cornerstone of everything. It's the springboard from which everything else flows. I created my magazine as... Uh, as an offshoot from my radio show, I started doing ghostwriting because I used to teach English and public speaking in a, in a two-year business college. I figured if I can teach people how to write term papers, I can help people write their books. It was a very natural thing. And by that time, I already had one book. I have five now. So I knew that there was something in front of me. And it was just a matter of figuring out not just what were my skills, because I knew what my skills were. I had to figure out how I could monetize that. And that was the piece I had not figured out yet, but I knew there was an answer somehow, somewhere, some way. And I just knew that by aligning myself with the right people, it would happen eventually. So take me to that moment where everything's been going the same and you have this belief, this firm belief in your head that things are going to turn around. Things are going to get better. I know it. You're confident. Take me to the, that inflection point where something changed and you knew it was different. That's really interesting. I, I think what happened was the last J-O-B that I had was I was making calls for a real estate agent here in town, inviting people to open houses, assessing whether people were ready to buy or sell and setting appointments for my agent. And by this time, I had started ghostwriting books for people. I wasn't charging as much as I was now because I had to get a portfolio. I mean, I had to have proof of concept first. I knew I could do it, but the market didn't know I could do it. So I was slowly building my business while I was working part-time. And the first couple of times that people decided to pay me to write their books, I figured, okay, I can do this. And it was really fun to reach the completion point with those first couple of clients because I knew that I could do it. And so as I built confidence, I was able to raise my rates. I was able to find more streams of, re of revenue. I was aligned with the right set of people. Uh, Chris Whitehead is my coach. He helped me get to Apex last year. He and I have known each other for about a decade and he's never ever steered me wrong. And he has stuck with me through thick and thin. He's seen me at my worst and he's seen me at my best and he has earned the right to be on this journey with me. Uh, he believed in me. And that's sometimes the really critical thing is if you have someone in your corner who believes in you, no matter what, don't ever screw that relationship up because you might only have one or two of those in your entire life. Mm. Yeah. Well said. And so it, it sounds like you just kept doing the work, doing the work, doing the work. And then you asked somebody to pay you for the work and they said, mm -hmm. yes. And they had a good, and and they didn't sue you or yell at you afterwards. Right. You're like, hey, maybe I can do this. And then yeah. that launches confidence and it launches you further and further. Is that kind of how it, how it ended up? It is. And I think as Tony Robbins says, the person with the most certainty wins. I just started telling the marketplace, I do this. Even when I hadn't done one yet, I knew I could mm -hmm. because I 
taught people how to, how to, you know, write term papers. And I taught people how to put speeches together. So I knew I could do it. So I just started declaring to the world, this is what I do. And finally people started paying me and I'm doing it. And so for the, for, for the, the tribe, the, everybody that's, everybody that's listening here, there's, that's an important point Mm -hmm. because if you, if you take uh, like current Brian, and then let's, let's create like mega Brian and we put them next to each other. And one of them says, I help people write their books. And then the other one says, I'd like to maybe help somebody write a book someday. Mm-hmm. Which one are you going to hire? Oh, the person with certainty, <laughs> the person who's already done it, the person who boldly went forth. Yeah. Even if you haven't, goal. even if you haven't done it, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm listening to this guy. It's what he does. Right. Yeah. How many have you written? Yeah. But it'll be fine. <laughs> like, all right. Yeah. I actually did. I actually did my first one for free. And that wasn't a ghostwriting job. That was a coaching job. Okay. And he said to me, Brian, I know you haven't done this yet. I need your help. I know you can do it. You don't have a portfolio yet. Coach me for free. And I will give you a brilliant testimony when I was done. When I'm, and that's exactly what happened. Nice. And that person just joined Apex recently. So it's all coming full circle. So I coached him for free, gave him a lot of great help. He said, I could not have done this without you, which I love. And that's what happens when, when you have a great experience, when someone has a great experience with you, get their testimonials and don't be afraid to show them off. In fact, on my website, briankwright.com, I have a lot of testimonials from high-level people who've been on my show. And I believe those testimonials have helped me get other high-level guests. Jack Hanfield, I think, came on my show because his team saw all the testimonials. In fact, Jack said on my show, you've interviewed a bunch of my friends. And I very confidently said, yes, I have. Yep. There's a lot of power in that. That's what I do. I interview, I interview successful people. That's what I, I interview world-class yeah. people. And, and I, you know, not a pedestal moment at all, but I walk around with the idea that I'm one of the best interviewers in the world. And I consistently get that great feedback. I have a blast being on your show with you. It's why I have 10 years worth of episodes. In fact, uh, next week is my 10 year anniversary episode. Nice. Yeah. Fascinating. You know, doing, doing anything for 10 years is, is always a great thing, but being able to consistently put out new fresh content that's engaging and meaningful to the world or to a specific audience is one of the hardest things to do. Not because it's hard to come up with stuff to talk about. More importantly, it's just hard to keep doing it over and over and over and being that consistent person. Mm-hmm. There was a, a comment one time that uh, I heard on uh, Entrepreneurs on Fire with John Lee Dumas. And uh, it was a, one of his guests, I can't remember his name, but he gave this contrarian advice about Sometimes it's about the quantity, not the quality. And, and it was a little counterintuitive, mm-hmm. uh, but he was saying, you don't have to be the best, but you just have to keep showing up. And as long as you keep showing up, then people will respect that. And then JLD obviously chimed in and he said, I agree with that because I knew for a fact that I could never be the world's best podcaster. I could never be the world's best interviewer. I'm not famous. I'm not a celebrity. But you know what I can do? I can release a podcast every single day and I have for the last mm-hmm. 10 years and people mm-hmm. notice that, you know? Yeah. And his shows are probably 20, 25 minutes. I've heard his show a bunch of times. He's really fantastic. My shows are an hour long. Mm-hmm. I toyed with the idea of doing my show every day, but it's an hour long show. I do a lot of preparation. I wouldn't have time to run my business if I did that. So I decided that once a week was probably just fine. But you do it once a week and you're always there once a week and you're very mm-hmm. consistent with it. And that's really what, matters in this in this day and age where attention spans can be measured in seconds 
Yes. The fact that you keep showing up, somebody sees that, somebody appreciates it. And probably people see it that you'll never meet, that you'll never hear from. But if you stopped, they'd be like, what, what happened to Brian's show? Right. Yeah. And it's really cool. I discovered a few months ago that Listen Notes, which is a site that tracks listens and whatnot, but my show's in the top 1% of all podcasts in the world. I mean, that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Something I can hang my hat on. And so, you know, this is one of your areas of expertise about creating authority. Yeah. Maybe uh, give us some tips about what, what are some of the best ways that if, if I'm an unknown person in the world and, and I want to be known and established as an authority, mm-hmm. what are some tips that you would recommend for me to kind of start on that path? Post content within your area of expertise every day, sometimes more than once. I've got a Facebook group, Entrepreneur Live. And in July, I had 37 people in that group. And my coach said, when you get to 100 people, you can make an offer to that group because he's teaching me about monetizing my, my group. So the next day, I or the next week, I added 93 people to the group. And so the next week, I said, Chris, I have 130 people in the group. He's like, really? I said, I invited like 120, 130 people and 97 of them, 93 of them said, sure, I'll join your group. So I post to that group every single day, something that is valuable. On the weekends, it might be more of a motivational thing, but I want to post something related to writing or marketing every single day that is valuable. So I think that's really, really critical. And when someone makes a comment on your post, respond to it. Even if it's, thank you so much, I appreciate you. That gets the engagement going. But when you post consistently, people will start to notice you. If you are everywhere, people will start to notice you. I'm very active on Twitter, on Facebook, and on LinkedIn. I do lots of podcasts, not only my own, but I love being interviewed by people. In fact, last year, I was on 46. I had 46 speaking opportunities and I did my own show 42 times last year because, you know, my dad passed away. So I put paused my show for a while. So I was out there 88 times last year. Hmm. So people, and, and then when you post, when you were on someone else's show that shows someone, Oh, look, I, you know, Brian just did this. So I think that's the other thing too, is play nice in the sandbox with people. When you're on someone else's show, post about it, promote it. I mean, I love it when my guests promote what I just did. So of course I will do the reciprocal. And when I'm on your show, I will post this all over the place and say, I was on Josh's show and this is a fantastic experience. So you just have to play nice in the sandbox with people. Don't think you're too good for school. You're not too cool for school. Just, just do it and promote and edify other people and, and showcase their brilliance. This, it's not always about you. It's about edifying the other person. The other person, the guest on my show is always the star. I don't do a majority of the talking. 80 to 90% of the talking is done by my guest because I'm pretty good at drawing them out and following up. You know, you, you said something that's, that's really near and dear to my heart. And, and for those that are listening, I think this is, this is really getting to the core of the matter is when you focus on giving somebody else something, then you're going to get what you need. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like this, it's almost a cliche, you know, focus on, was it, uh, was it Jim Rohn or Zig Ziglar? I can't remember. I think it was Jim Rohn about if you want to get what you want, you know, focus on giving other people what they want. Mm -hmm. One of those people said that, but yeah, there you go. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that has never been truer, and I've noticed that myself. When when I focus on what is the thing that this other person needs, and how can I be of value to them, 
And if I keep stacking and stacking and basically sandbagging value bombs, at some point, I may need to cash those in, maybe. Mm -hmm. But at some point, I may need to cash those in. And when I, when I do need to cash those in, I have all of these people that are saying, oh, Josh. Yeah, of course, Josh, man. Josh is great. Josh has been so helpful to me. You guys need to do this thing. Yeah. Okay? And that's, that has made such a big difference because it becomes less important how amazing or good your thing is yeah. because it's more about that relationship that you've developed. And I think absolutely. That's and, and I'll prop you up. I am so happy and grateful that you are on my journey because you are so helpful and so supportive and you connect me with people and you, you take action quick. And I love having people like you in my life. So thank you so much. Well, yeah, I appreciate that, man. And that's, and that's what, uh, you know, for, for those of you listening, uh, Brian and I have known each other for a few months here. We're in the same mastermind group. And, uh, and Brian uh, produces um, compilation books. Uh, mm -hmm. There was a, a bestseller that recently came out, The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My Dad. And that was a huge hit. Congrats on that. Thank you. And uh, there's another book that's there. Yeah, you got a picture right there for those uh, yeah. that uh, are only on audio. You can, where can you find that, by the way, Amazon? Amazon, The Greatest yeah. Lessons I Learned From My Dad by Brian K. Wright. There you go. And so, and so Brian is producing another one as, as of this recording, he's producing another book uh, called the greatest lessons I learned from my mom. And somebody recommended that, uh, that I participate in this book because uh, I have a great relationship with my mom. She's been super influential and because it was Brian and because I liked Brian and because of all the things that Brian had done for me I, on Christmas day, I went in and I signed up for this thing. I wrote my chapter, I edited it, and I sent it to him within an hour. Yeah. And I, and I did that because I wanted to make sure that Brian knew that I was in Brian's corner because Brian is a huge value to me. And that's yeah. one of those things, like if I can give, if I can contribute to somebody else's project in a meaningful way, mm -hmm. then that strengthens and deepens our relationship. And then who knows what we're able to do in the future, but-, but Absolutely. We'll and the fact that you did it so quickly on Christmas day is something that will always stand out to me. So then when you introduced your beta version of your program, I, I was in, I was like, yes, I will do this. And I'm in it now. And if I see glitches, I say, Josh, this, this here, mm -hmm. what, what do I do with this? Oh, that's something I have to fix. Thank you for bringing that up. So I'm here to help love and support. That's just who I am. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And so let's, let's kind of dig into how, how that uh, beautiful brain works in, in your skull there. And we're going to get yeah. into the do zone diagnostic. You ready? Yes. Awesome. So this is a series of five questions I ask every guest so that we can see how your brain ticks and soak up all the knowledge that we can. So just rapid fire. First thing that comes to mind. Number one, what is one thing you do that keeps you focused on your goals? That's a great question. I, I tend to keep score. So I, I like keeping track of where not only where the income is, but the number of people that I'm helping. So knowing the impact that I'm making keeps me going. And because I want to accomplish at least one thing every single day. And gratitude is so critical. Keeping score. Great. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and so next question, how do you get back on track when you lose that focus? You know, what's interesting because I collect so many testimonials from happy clients, 
I will go back and listen and watch to all the amazing things that someone said about me and the things that I did, because if they all think I'm amazing, then it must be true. <laughs> well said. Another good reason to collect testimonials, just to make yourself mm -hmm. feel better every once in a while. <laughs> and yes, I, I do own that. It I have done that. And it has been so enormously helpful in certain moments in my life. Nice. Uh, next question, who is your support group and how do they keep you accountable? Gosh, my apex family of choice. I love them so much. I know that if I'm having a bad day, I can reach out to any of the people that I've stayed connected to and I can get refocused. There are people that I've reached out to on the phone saying, hey, I'm not having a great day. Um, if I have to text my coach and, and say, um, bat phone, I have to talk. Great, great. Let me get back to you as soon as I finish this other thing here. So have, having a support group is really, really critical and knowing who your cheerleaders really are. Some people really care, but everyone else is just really curious and are prepared to use whatever you share uh, against you when they can. So be really judicious about who your circle is. I keep my circle, my tight circle, really small on purpose. Yeah, well said. Next question, where do you draw the line on what to do and what to delegate? I choose to operate within my superpowers as often as possible. And if I know something is not my superpower, I better hire someone else to do it. Either I don't know how to do it, or I just don't want to, or don't have time. I hired a VA in June after joining Apex in May, specifically to do help me do the things that I haven't had time to do, or the things I know I'm not good at. Got it. And then finally, what is the number one pro tip you'd give to somebody looking to get more stuff done in less time? More stuff done in less time. Here's what I've shared with people. You know how sometimes when you have a meeting coming up and the other person is late and you don't know how late they're going to be, have a list of things you can do in 10 or 15 minutes. So, so, so yes, there are longer term tasks. I don't, I mean, I, I, if I have something coming up, I know something's going to take me a long time to do. I'm really hesitant to start that because I don't want to stop and start and stop and start. But if you have a list, even if it's in your head of things that you can do in you know, five, 10, 15 minutes, and you're waiting for someone to show up to your meeting or you're standing in line at the post office or whatever that is, have that list. That way you're still getting stuff done and you are multiplying your time exponentially. That's actually, that's really cool. And so just kind of, you kind of got your emergency productivity list mm -hmm. where just in case I find myself with 15 extra minutes, I'm going to knock out one of these things. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm working on my monthly magazine and I know that there's an article that I haven't read through and edited yet, I can do that in probably 15 minutes if, if it's pretty well written to start with. Nice. That's yeah. really cool. I appreciate you sharing that. And so tell me a little bit about your, uh, your book writing business. Um, and what, what do you actually do and, and who's it for? Fantastic. I serve established entrepreneurs to help them get their message out to the world. I really love working with people who have not written a book yet because they have all the questions and the teacher inside of me gets to come out and impart my knowledge. And they are the people who are usually the most appreciative. Not that the experienced authors aren't because they sure are. In fact, I've worked with people who have already written their first book and they just don't have time to do their second book. So they hire me to help them do that. So what so, are some of those, what are some of those, the, all the questions, what are, what are some of the big primary questions of somebody that has never written a book before? What, yeah. are, what are the most common questions to get asked? What do I write about? Will anyone actually read this? How do I structure it? How do I know what stories to tell? 
Yeah. How do I get started? What if I run out of stuff to say? What if I run out of stuff to say? Well, my job, if I'm your ghostwriter and I'm interviewing you on Zoom like we're doing, my job is to draw those things out. And if someone shares a story and then I might ask, so what did you learn from that? Mm. Would you go through this again if you had to? What was your big lesson? What so would you sounds, share with someone who hasn't gone through this yet, but might be? So, so it sounds like there's, there's an interview process. So I don't have to necessarily, if I'm, if I'm your client, I don't necessarily have to just show up and like send you a manuscript or something. You're going to draw no. that out of me. Walk me through that process. Right. A lot of people come to me with a blank slate. Okay. And so we have a session first to figure out what exactly is your message? What will your call to action be at the end? That's the piece that most people don't think about. They just think about sharing their story. Okay. Yawn. Your friends and family will buy your book by default, but then what? There are literally 7 billion people in the world who do not know who you are. How will they know who you are and why will they buy your book? So what is your call to action? If you are an entrepreneur, you want to use your book to leverage into something else. You may, you may or may not make a million dollars selling your book. I would say that most of the time you're not going to make a million dollars selling only your book, but it's what you can do with your book afterwards. Are you using this to help people get into your community somehow on your mailing list? Are you selling a course? Are you selling a book? Are you selling a cash flow game, Robert Kiyosaki? Are you trying to get people to come to your free weekend event like T. Harvecker did? How are you getting people into your world after the book is done? So we figured that piece out. That will help us hone in on the angle that we're going to take. So then we figure out what your structure might be, what your outline might look like. And then we figure out what your stories are going to be and plot which stories go into which chapters. Because I learned with some of my early clients, if some of our sessions got spaced out over the course of a couple of months because people are busy, they forget that they already told this story to me two other times. So as I look at the transcript, I'm like, oh, you already shared this story. Now I have to figure out which version you told better. <laughs> and now I have to figure out where the, the story actually goes. And so how long does a process like that typically take for somebody that shows up with a blank? I tell people to allow six months. It could be sooner. It might be a little longer. Sometimes people will say, oh, I thought of something new. Can we hop on and have another session? Sure. That's not a problem. Or I was just on this podcast. I think this will be really great content. Okay, great. So now I have to, I can't, I get to trans, get it transcribed and figure out where, how to triangulate that into what we've already talked about. So that plays a part. The other piece that also matters is once I give you a first draft, how long are you going to sit on it before you give me your feedback? Yeah. <laughs> that can really, really impact our timeline. Right. So I tell oh. people, you know, six months, it could be sooner. But because I work with people who are very busy, understandably so, I might have to follow up a couple of times and say, so did you have feedback for me? Yes, yes, I'm going to get to that this weekend. And so it might end up being a little bit longer than six months. Sometimes it might be less. In fact, I did my collaborative book about, you know, the dads, the greatest lessons I learned from my dad. I had 28 contributors. Book was done start to finish in four months. So sometimes it can happen really fast. And that was hurting 28 cats around. Right. It's hard to herd cats, especially entrepreneur cats. Yeah. Again, love all of them. Right. But yes, sometimes it can be a chore. So, <laughs> so can you give me an example of uh, maybe one of one of your clients? And maybe you don't have to give their name unless you want to, but mm -hmm. one of your clients that kind of really struggled at the beginning, but you were able to get through this process and they were able to launch their book and they were able to create some kind of meaningful result from that. Can you just kind of make, give us a, a case yeah. study of, of why, why should an entrepreneur go through this process? Yeah. 
I, well, actually, I can point to several examples. There's one client where we finished last summer and it was his first book and he runs e-commerce businesses and helps people start and run e-commerce businesses. So he was steering people toward getting into his coaching program. And we decided that his book was be more about, uh, well, the book is called Scratch and Claw. And so that was a, the theme all the way through is how he had to really, really uh, work hard to get to where he was. And we talked about some of the character traits that successful entrepreneurs have. And so we had, I think, 30 short chapters. The book ended up being 130-ish pages long. But it was great because not only were we making points about each character quality, but we also told a story. What story illustrates that? A story or two. Stories sell. It's not just about your story. You have to have a structure that your stories will support, not the other way around. I think that's one mistake people make when they try and write their book. They're story-driven, but the stories do matter, but the structure matters. If I'm reading a bunch of stories and they feel like they're meandering all over the place, as a reader, I'm going to wonder, where are we really going with this? And if I have to work too hard to figure out where you're going, I'm going to quit reading your book. Yeah, well said. Scratch and claw. So, uh, and, and, that's, and that's part of you know, another question kind of worth bringing up here is if if somebody needs to get their book out there one question i would imagine or issue comes up quite a bit is i'm not very creative and so that's that's kind of where you're drawing on your decades mm-hmm. of experience doing this and saying well hey here's what's here's what's going to be compelling here's yeah. what's going to get people to read the rest of the book here's what's mm-hmm. going to sell can you maybe yeah. just talk very briefly about that part of the strategy yeah People are more creative than they think they are. And having someone like me in your corner will be very helpful because I draw that stuff out. Sometimes people think, oh, that might not be interesting. Oh, no, no, no. Yes, yes, it will be. We can spin it in a way that's really interesting because somebody needs you and somebody needs your message. You need to write your book because the longer you wait to write your book, the longer you are denying someone who needs you. So don't play small. Let's get your book started. And where can somebody go to get that book started? They can go to writeabookforyou.com, spelled out all the way out, writeabookforyou.com. You can get a description of how I help people. There are testimonials later on down the site, and there's a calendar link at the bottom. And there's also a link to my appearance on the nationally syndicated show, The List, where in two minutes and 15 seconds, I talk about three things you can do to get your book started right now. That's awesome write a book for you.com. Is that right? Correct. I was amazed that that was available. I jumped on it. Got it. It's all yours now, baby. Yep. Excellent. That's, that's good. I, Brian, really appreciate you. We're going to wrap up from here. Uh, Brian K. Wright was our guest today. If you are interested in learning more and getting started writing your book, uh, you can go to write a book for you.com and learn more about Brian K. Wright. And if you are a busy entrepreneur looking to get to the next level, head over to thedozone.com for more productivity tips, tools, and strategies. You can also join our Facebook group of the same name. Until next time, remember, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with yours? I have a job for you. Open up your phone or get out a piece of paper and write down these three questions. Number one, what is one important task I can get completely done today? Number two, when can I start it? And number three, what impact will that have on my life? Now answer these questions as best you can every single day this week. 
then commit to taking action daily. Now you're in the do zone, baby. Let's go. Need some help with accountability? Are you stuck where you're at and not sure how to break through the barrier in front of you? Join the DZ tribe for free by visiting thedozone.com. We're a group of hyperactive entrepreneurs who want to help you get more stuff done. Oh, one more thing. If you know somebody who needs to hear this message, share it with them. Text them, email them, send them a DM on social media, smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever. Be sure to tag us at The Do Zone. Also, keep the five-star written reviews coming over on iTunes. That helps new people find the show, hear it, and get themselves into The Do Zone as well. And always remember, the road to success is paved with imperfect action. So what are you waiting for? Go do something already. See you next time.